0: We'd like to see more people come. There you go. They're all coming in. Bring it in. Bring it in. Hollow it in. All the frontliner worshipers, we got a lot of space up in here. All right. We'd like to invite my sister, Jerry Cross, come on up. She's going to testify this morning. It's good to see everybody. God bless you.
1: Hi. Good morning. God is good. Amen. Well, I just want to testify to you this morning. Um, I know that a lot of you guys still live at home or you have your family nearby, but my immediate family is 1,800 miles away. I don't know if you understand what that means, but my parents, my mom, and um, my mom was diagnosed with cancer recently, and she had to have a mastectomy. She had to have her, you know, one of her breasts removed, and, and then they thought they got all the cancer, but they haven't and it's really hard being 1800 miles away from your mom and so but I'm just so like filled with hope because God says he's gonna meet all our needs he is Jehovah Rafi he is the divine healer you know there's no physician somebody can go to that knows more than God And so I want to tell you guys that even though my mom is far away, I'm doing all that I can here. There's not much I can do. I can't dwell on the fact that my mom is sick. I can't dwell on the fact that there's, you know, it's a long road. She wakes up with cancer every day and has to fight it. But you know what I'm doing here? I'm following God. You know what I'm doing here? I'm praying without ceasing. You know what I'm doing? I'm trusting in the one who knows it all, who loves us so much. Because I believe in Jesus' name that she is healed. And my mother believes in Jesus' name that she is healed. I talk to her and she is the most positive person. She's like, I pray over my medicine and I say, you are going to kill cancer in Jesus' name. She prays over her water, everything that goes in her. She says, in Jesus' name, I am healed. And I'm in Bible college and I'm doing a lot of things. But I'm going to keep on pressing towards the goal, which is Jesus, right? So this little issue is not going to defeat me. I'm not going to let it take over my life because I trust in the one. I trust in the Son. And I want to leave you with this, this verse. It's one of my favorite verses of all time. And it's Romans 15:13 which is, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Does somebody need hope today? Does somebody need to trust today? Does somebody need to give their burdens to God and continue to press forward? Because he will meet you where you are. May you overflow with the abundant hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to pray for you guys today before we worship the one who deserves all praise. Dear Jesus, we come before you today and you know what people are struggling with. You know the sicknesses that people are dealing with. You know whether it's in their own selves or somebody that they love, God. I lift up my mother Nancy to you, God, and we claim her healing in Jesus' name. And for all over this place, whatever it is that they, these people are facing, God, that you would meet them and that they would overflow with hope in the, po- in the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are worth it all, God. And we thank you. We just want to praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Hallelujah. Come on, lift up a shout of praise this morning. Say, Hallelujah. Come on, there's joy in this room. Come on, lift up his name. Jesus, we praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, we want to teach you this new song. It's called Alive. Can you say Alive? Come on, tell your neighbor, say, I'm alive. God, we're alive through Jesus this morning Come, put your hands together with us when I was lost I was lost with a broken heart you picked me up now I'm set apart from the ash I am born again forever say more than my words can say I'll follow you Lord for all my days I'll fix my eyes following your ways forever free in unending grace say you are my freedom you are you are you are my freedom You believe that this morning we're alive in You, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Come on, sing it again. I was lost with a broken heart. Come on, sing it out. I was lost with a broken heart. Come on, you picked me up. You picked. You are,
3: you are, you are
2: my freedom. We lift you higher, lift you higher. Your love, your love. To the Lord, this morning, thank you, Lord, for your presence, for your freedom. Come on, say, In the midst of the darkest night, in the midst of the darkest night, let your love shine, let your love be the shine. i wow. I want to hear you clap your hands. You are, you are, you are my freedom. We lift you higher, lift you higher. Your love, your love, your love never ending. Oh, oh, come on, sing again. You are, you are, cause you are, you are, you are my freedom. We lift you higher. Lift come on, just lift higher. them up. Your love. Come every hand raised in this love, place. Love, come on, he's love, our freedom this morning. Say, oh, 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 come, oh. come on, you, you are my freedom. Say, oh. you are, you are, you are my freedom. my freedom. We lift you higher, lift you higher. Your love, your love, your love never ending. Oh, oh. Come on, one more time with your voice raised. Say, you oh. are. Because you are, you are, you are. You are Lift you higher, lift you higher Your love, your love Is there anybody out there with a testimony? Anybody out there, I want you to think about what a testimony is. A testimony is who you were before Jesus, how you met Jesus, and who you are after Jesus. Come on, this song talks all about that. We were dead in our transgression. We were dead. We were walking aimlessly in this world. Some of you were close to death itself. But when God came into the picture, he made us alive. I just want to call up just one person to run up here with a testimony a five second testimony who you were before Jesus how you met Jesus and who you are now come on one person run up here with a testimony right now to share come on five second testimony
4: I was uh I was someone who was abused a lot as a child in every fashion I grew up with the ideal of Christianity as a hypocrisy uh, I, I found Myself at a loss, most of the time isolated alone when I, when I was a child. Uh, I found later on in life my, my mom, who, who my real mom was, and then got to watch her die right after. You can't really even say that it would leave some weird questions in my heart, ones that couldn't really be resolved by anyone else but God. I, I found myself later in life, about 18, fighting some of the similar problems. Um, I one of the, the girl I was dating when I got out of jail. When I was she, she, I came back to go see her. I found out that week she was dead. I, I it, it was a repetitive cycle in my life of death, seeing death and destruction. It came to a point where I felt like I could not be loved. I was undeserving. Where I could, where, where loving somebody was the wrong thing to do. And so I turned to bitterness and hate as a comfort to push forward. Obviously, this is not the right way to go. It only led me to worse places in life. Back in LA, I thought I stalled it. I thought I would have. I was getting to his church, just fighting the different way. But, you know, the devil comes to rob, kill, and destroy. Sent another girl, boom, oh, gets pregnant. She kills my child. I had to face that the rest of my days. But, look at where I am now. I have. A Greater love for His church than I have ever known in my entire life. I have more people behind me than I have ever dreamed of. You see, God will exalt you when you are willing to humble yourself before Him, you, and that's what it took for me to
2: do. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you love us, God, that you change us, God, and you want us to be alive and you. Love. Lord Jesus you're here today God wanting to make a new story in each and one of our lives oh god each and every one of us you want a story oh God of how you came lord and how you want to change us oh god hallelujah God we welcome your holy spirit want just say holy spirit you're welcome Spirit, God we just want your Holy Spirit you're welcome in this place God can you just make room in your heart for him say God I make room in my heart for you come on get rid of some stuff that's in the way right now make room for Jesus in your heart come on tell him say Holy Spirit you're welcome here in this place in this temple God in this heart God come on Jesus come on talk to him right now you're welcome here Jesus you're welcome right here come on not just for your neighbor come on don't say it for your neighbor don't say it for us up here we're saying it for ourselves come on you're welcome here Lord here God a direct connection to you Jesus a direct connection to you God from me Here to hear what
3: you're saying to us. Here to hear what He's saying for you. We open up ears of the Spirit right now that you would hear what He's saying to you. He's speaking in that
2: heavenly language. Come on, lift up your voice, church. Lift up your hunger, church. I I just want you. I just want you. I just want you. I just want you. I just want you, Jesus. We just want you, Jesus. Oh! one more time your heart to his say burdened right now you need to come to the river right now the source the holy spirit you need to come to jesus come on you feel burdened in your soul in your heart can you lift up your hand to jesus right now come to him come on come to the river the lord says that he's here for you he wants to strengthen you fortify you come come to him right now let's respond to that right now Jesus, we're weak without you. We come to you, God. We come to you, Jesus. Fill us up, fill us up, fill us up. Fill us up, fill us up, fill us up, up, Lord. Come on, you need to be filled up. Come on, just fill me up, God. Fill me up. We come to the river. We come to the river. We come to the river. you Jesus come on we want to follow you God we worship you in this place God. we give you free rain we give you free rain in this place Jesus we want you to fill us up we want you to fill up our cups oh God Can we just need a fresh touch from you Jesus we just want a fresh touch oh God we want to be refreshed in the river God we follow you today God God, am not the best man, not the best
5: Why we come together to worship him in spirit and in truth think about three things that you're thankful for three things in your life that he is worthy of the praise come on jesus you are worthy i thank you for my salvation i thank you god for my family for my husband for my children you are good you
3: give good gifts to your children god i thank you for our health for the provision that you give to us let's have a heart of Thanksgiving this morning. We're thankful, God, for all that you do. We're thankful, God, for who you are. You are good. We worship you. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise all across this room. He is King of kings and Lord of Lords. Woo! Glory be unto your name, oh God. Be glorified and be magnified. Hallelujah. God is good, Amen.
6: may be seated. At this time, we're going to dismiss our children to the children's area. My name is Lauren Sajanski, and as many of you have heard, October is Pastors Appreciation Month. And we did not want this month to pass by without all of our pastors knowing how much we love and appreciate everything that they have done. So if we can have all of our pastors come and line up in the front, I know some of them are missing today, But if we can have you guys to come forward, and as they come, would you guys stand up and give them a round of applause? Amen. Y'all may be seated. Oh, we are so blessed to have these women and men of God and women and men of integrity leading us. We are so blessed to have these pastors. I know it may be a little biased, but we have the best pastors in the world. Okay, (laughs) I believe it with all my heart. But I know that all of us in this room have been affected by most, if not all, of them in one way or another the children's ministry, the youth group. We've been mentored. We've been counseled. We come here every Sunday and hear the word of God preached in your face, uncompromised, with passion. We cannot get it better. So we just want to say thank you. Thank you for everything that you have done, the things that we have seen, the things that we haven't seen. You know, pastor, being a pastor is a lot more than a Sunday morning. It's every day of your life. It's phone calls at three o'clock in the morning. It's It's nonstop work. It's hearing from the Lord all the time. So um, if we can have Monique and Chris come, we just want to give you guys a small token of our appreciation on behalf of the leadership and the congregation. And we pray that today you would feel loved and you would feel appreciated. If we can have the elders and deacons that are here come to the front, we're going to lay hands on them as Brother Ricky leads us in prayer for them as we bless them today.
7: Amen. Let's everybody just stretch out your hands to them just as a symbol. We're in agreement. We're praying for them. They do a lot, and uh, we need to keep them in prayer. Amen. Father, Lord, we just thank you for these Mighty men and women of God, we thank you for what they do. We thank you, Lord, that they answered the call and they said, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, I will lay down my life and serve the people. I will serve the church. I will serve you, God. Lord, you know what they go through, God, behind the scenes, oh, Lord. Lord, you know what they go through, Lord. we just pray, God, that you would give them grace, oh, God, in everything that they do, Lord. That, Lord, you would show them mercy, oh, God lord that you would empower them oh god you would strengthen them when they're weak oh lord lord that they will rest in the shadow of your wings oh lord that they will rest on you oh god you are the rock of their salvation oh lord And i pray that they'll come to you oh god for refuge for help oh god and lord i just pray that everything that they do oh lord would always be a joy never a burden oh god that they'll that lord everything that they do oh god the, uh, the the preaching oh god when they serve oh god the evangelism the life groups everything the 201 with everything that they do oh lord every ministry oh god that they would do it oh god not with human strength or human wisdom oh god but with a demonstration of the spirit's power oh god fill them with your spirit oh god that everything they do will be according to your will that they would hear from you god that they would hear from you every decision that they make oh god will be led by you, O oh Lord. Lord, be with them, God. Bless their families, O oh Lord. Provide for them, O oh God. Meet every need that they have, O oh Lord. In ministry, O oh God, physically, O oh God, personally, meet their needs, O oh Lord. We thank you for everything that they've done and everything that they're going to do, O oh Lord. And I pray, O oh God, bless these mighty men and women of God, these pastors, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray.
6: Amen. Amen. Andrew, can you put some music on? We're going to give you a chance to come up, greet your pastors, give them a high five, give them a hug, tell them you love them and you appreciate everything they've done.
8: Presence is all I am long so waits for you alone just like the water Funny, funny, love. So you mm mm-hmm.
5: the Lord. And from the staff to you, we just want to say thank you for being a blessing to us. We believe that each and every one of you are heaven sent. It is our honor to serve you, be your shepherd, and uh, we just do it as unto the Lord. Amen? Praise God. We're gonna, I'm going to present you a gospel message this morning. I'm going to preach you a gospel message. If you could please turn with you to your Bibles, to John 3, 36. For those that do not know me, my name is Naomi. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. If you are there, please say I'm there. 23rd and Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. My message for you this morning to those who are not right with God, who have not been born again, who are not living for the Lord, or who have backslidden. I want to let you know that the Bible teaches that if you reject Jesus, if you reject his way of living, if you reject his command, his wrath remains on you. You do not have eternal life. The Bible says that we all must be saved. We all must be born again to inherit this eternal life. For those that have never confessed Jesus, a personal Savior, I plead with you this morning to do so. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan to prosper you, to bless you, to give you life after death. But that promise cannot be passed on to you because it comes with a condition, and that condition is in repent of your sin, turn from your evil ways, turn from your immorality, turn from your selfishness, turn from the destruction that you're following that is against God's command. Fully turn and follow Jesus. Because the Bible teaches if we believe in the Son, and it does it's not enough because in James it says if we believe, it's not just enough to believe because the demons believe that Jesus is God and they shudder. But when we say we believe in Jesus, that He is the Son of God, we are accepting all of Him, we are accepting all of His ways, all of His commands, and through that we have eternal life. So I want to challenge you this morning. I want to speak to those who are not right with God. You're doing it half God's way, half your way. Turn from your wicked ways and follow Jesus because he's going to either be Lord of all or not Lord at all. Let's pray this morning. Jesus, we need you. We thank you, God, that your word is clear, that sinners will not inherit eternal life, that when we reject you, God, Your wrath remains on us. And I just pray for conviction to fall on every heart this morning. For those that are doing it half your way and half their way, I pray that they will be called to repentance. For those that are continually rejecting you, not believing in you, not following after you, God, they do not want to be born again. I pray that this morning you call their name. You call their name, God. Holy Spirit, do a work right now in jesus name and everybody said amen jesus, please stand up to your feet with me this morning if you prayed a prayer to the lord and you believe that this message was for you you have to get right you got to go all for jesus you want to be born again you want to be saved please to my right some of your left riselda and ricky are there to pray with you any need you may have but specifically for salvation and if you want to get discipled you want to say god i'm going your way Meet with them during the fellowship time, and they will lead you in that prayer, and you will be blessed. Amen? At this time, we are going to do our confession of faith. For those of you who would like a handout, please raise your hand and kind of wave it so our ushers can see you. We'd like to give a few seconds, a few moments here for everybody who would like one. Some people like to just have it in front of their face. We do this every week because we want to tell the world, let everybody here know especially if they're a a visitor, what our Christian worldview is. And this is our confession before the Lord and before man that we will stand upon this. Amen? Let's repeat this together on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new, abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen, come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Why don't you turn around, shake somebody's hand, get to know somebody you've never met before. who's excited to be here this morning make some noise amen amen our services here are every sunday at 10 o'clock so keep coming invite your friends and then every friday at 7 p.m we have our youth group that meets elevate they're going out strong for jesus winning their friends so god is on the move here at metro praise And we have an awesome announcement again for next month, November 24th. It is a Sunday service, regular time here at 10 o'clock. We are having our baptisms. Who's excited about our baptisms? Come on. If you need to be baptized, you want to be baptized, please speak to your life group leader. They'll give you more insight, more information on it this is a time for you to invite your friends and family to come on out to see you get baptized and as a church as a whole for us to continue to preach the gospel to the, to see the lost one to the lord amen who would love to see somebody witness to that morning right out of the street come on in and just get dunked right up here come on god is in the business of saving souls and we want to see everybody baptized so again talk to your life group leaders a lot of exciting things are happening our vision here is very simple loving God and loving people two greatest commandments very simple Jesus told us to live this way and so we take that to heart and we want to love God and love people how many of you guys feel love in this place discipleship strategy is threefold it's connect mentor and send we want to connect you to the cross mentor you with the cross and then send you out with the cross and the way that that happens here is with the connect phase we connect you to life group somebody say life group And in the back of your handout there's a schedule here for our quarterly life group and that is august september october i believe am i correct august september october is the quarter for this and just a snapshot of what's happening just this week and you guys know it is not boring when you come to metro praise there's always something to do so this is what's happening today sunday every sunday encounter prayer night tonight 5 p.m you want more of jesus you want to flow in the holy ghost you just want the outpouring just going you come tonight meet them here also tonight is our single mom's life group they're going strong join them if you're a single mom or if you know of a single mom invite her to go with you tonight 5 p.m the address is on the handout and this wednesday every wednesday we have a king's kids life group for children infant to 11 years old come on make some noise for that it's all those workers making noise for their wednesday night life group Uh, Infant to 11 years old, drop your kids off, go have a date night, go do some laundry, do something, or you can stay here. But it is for them, 6.30 every Wednesday for your children. We have Royal Rangers Impact for boys, girls, kind of like a boy scout, girl uh, scout type thing. And they just love it. This Thursday, we we have a fun night at the Lopez's house. Woo! Ishmael and Robin are opening up their home for the fun night this Thursday. It's Halloween, so if you wanna join them for some goodies, bring a snack for the after-party. You can wear a costume, they're gonna go door-to-door, love on the community, and ask for candy, right? And then after you do all that, bring your children. So they kinda wanna have this Halloween party thing, bring a snack for the after-party, and they're just gonna have a whole bunch of fun. If you've never been to Volo, you gotta go. This is your chance to go to Volo. Far, far away but not too far, just far enough away for you to get out of the city and just party hardy with Ish and Robin. Come on, who wants to do that this Halloween? And then Friday, our adult life group, every Friday at Pastor Berto and Griselda's house, 7 p.m., and Saturday, our evangelism life group, 6 p.m., sorry, I think I need glasses, 6 p.m., every Saturday, going down the street. Somebody say, God is good. All the time. And then we want to mentor you. We want to take you through our 101 book, welcome to your new life. We have leaders to take you through that if you're new to our church. And then when you are done with the 101 phase, you'll get to the 201, Disciples That Make Disciples. Sunday morning, our leadership class, training you to be a leader, to one day be appointed as a deacon and an elder. Somebody say amen. We want to send you out to do evangelism, to so be effective on the street, street witnessing, uh, evangelizing to your lost coworkers, family. We want to do that here. We want to send you out with the cross. And our goal and Metro Phrase International to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches in this city and 500 around the world. If you believe we could do that, say amen. Amen. And our quarter, okay, so that quarter I was right, October, November, December is our next quarter. For the life group? Okay. Amen. If you could please turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 9, 7. At this time, we're gonna prepare to give our tithe and offerings. And we believe here at MPI that a tithe is a ten percent of your total income. And any amount after that is between you and the Lord that we give to offering. And here at Metro Praise, we designate the offering to be towards building fund or missions. So you can check that off in the envelope. It's very simple if you read the envelope there. So we believe that 10% of the of your income goes to the Lord. And I like to give an example. So if we have a Six hundred dollar paycheck come in. How much of that belongs to Jesus automatically? Sixty dollars. So we believe that firmly. We believe that we are blessed when we tithe, and we have many tithers in this place that can testify to God's goodness and faithfulness because they've put Him first in their finances. Amen. Second Corinthians nine seven says, "Every man according, every man should give according as his purpose in his heart. So let him give not grudgingly or out of necessity." For God loves a cheerful giver. And so obviously this is not saying uh, to purpose in your heart the amount for the tithe. Because the tithe is set. 10% of everything that comes through our hands belongs to Jesus. We honor the Lord with our wealth. But what this scripture is saying, everything that we give as an offering, it should come out of a cheerful heart. And the tithe should come out of a cheerful heart. If you are a bitter tither, it's not a pleasing, acceptable offering to God. You can do it. And be disobedient because your heart's not right. So let's just get this spirit of generosity and cheerfulness unto the Lord. Because you're not giving it to man. You're giving it for his kingdom. And the Bible says when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things get ad- added on us. Amen? Praise God. If you could please stand up to your feet with me. We want to thank all of those who continue to tithe before the Lord and are faithful and obedient to that. We say thank you for all the givers here. And... uh Let's recite this together, Luke 6:38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your faithfulness, and your provision. We ask, oh God, that this tithes and offerings that will be offered to you this morning will be like a sweet aroma up to you, a pleasing sacrifice. I pray, God, for hearts of generosity, a hearts of cheerfulness, God, that all that we do for you, God, will be glorified. For your name's sake, I pray that you would continue to meet the needs of your people here. Bless every tither and giver and those that have not been, God. I pray that you convict hearts and you teach them by your Holy Spirit. We thank you, God, for all that you're doing in this place. And we declare, God, that MPI's budget for this month will be met above and beyond. And we just thank you, God, for your goodness. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Please come forward as you give this morning.
0: Love Jesus, can I get an Amen? All right. If you're not lying, say Amen. Okay, so I don't want you to lie, but do you really love Jesus? Can I hear an Amen? Amen. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to first John chapter 5, verse 3. Thank you so much. For honoring the pastors today What a what a great surprise Wasn't expecting that And our heart has always been What you're going to do for one Do for all You know Because a lot of churches uh, or, or past traditions Is we just put You know Me or Nancy up there But I know the true story I know I cannot do this without them It's like a, a team with a quarterback Yeah he's the guy who gets the ball every play But if there wasn't these guards And these tackles Like right up there That guy would be dropping the ball every play How many know what I'm talking about? A little football example Okay So we need a team somebody say a team so thank you thank you for honoring the team of leaders that we have here it is a joy to serve you and uh, paul said this paul said i am being poured out like a drink offering upon the act of your faith the service of your faith and the illustration of that is in the old testament they would uh put animals on the altar and then they would sacrifice them and they would set them on fire and have like a barbecue and say that's for jesus that's what they would do. Okay, that was real. And uh, the Bible actually said that the Lord loved the smell of that sacrifice going up. So if, you, if you've been to a steakhouse, outback, maybe you've ever been to a de chow and you like that smell, that you're like God because God liked the smell. They set the animal on fire, sacrificed it. But sometimes before they did that, they would take a drink offering of hard liquor. Look at your neighbor and say alcohol. They would take some hard liquor, strong drink, and they would just pour it on top of the thing. Literally, where we get the idea uh, of uh, boys to men, it's so hard to say goodbye. And they're pouring out like the whiskey, like over the grave right there. This literally has its roots in a biblical tradition where they would take the strong alcohol, the, the strongest that they have, the shakar. Everybody say the shakar. I ain't cursing. I'm just telling you what it is. Okay, shakar, the hard stuff. And they would pour it all over the altar. And and then they would set that thing on fire. Somebody say, marinade. Ever have a bourbon steak? You know what I'm talking about. Hey, we're just not going to get into it right now. But honestly, that's the Bible. Drink offering. Everybody say drink offering. So Paul said in the New Testament, he said, It is my honor to be poured out as a drink offering on your sacrifice. So it is an honor for me today to be that that well-barreled bourbon being poured out on the sacrifice of your faith. It is an honor today to do that in Jesus' name. I know I lost some of y'all spiritual people on that example, but it is what it is. getting poured out for you like fine wine, baby. And that's who we are. We are the best of the best, the creme de la creme, because we serve a good God. Amen. All glory to him. And getting poured out, look at your neighbor and say he's crazy, but that's why we love him. Amen. If it's in the Bible, I'm going to preach it to you. I'm going to preach it to you. Now, some of you, you can't touch that stuff. You can't drink it. You can't even look at it. Don't do it. Amen. Okay, First John chapter five, verse three. It is what it is. I remember. Well, I'll start preaching another sermon. Help me, Lord. I was like trying to encourage you guys, and then all of a sudden it was like, no, I I ain't encouraged by that example. Him being poured out over me. I don't know. I don't like that strong drink stuff. Okay, let's just look it up. First John 5, 3, uh, verses, uh, chapter 5, verse 3 through 5. And today we're ending the series. Could you put up the sermon title here? Because I want everybody to see it right here. At the top of your notes, online, Facebook. We always put these things on the website. Here it is. Your faith determines your victory. Today is the last sermon in this series. And it's all about your faith determining your victory. The whole month has been about overcoming. Overcoming. somebody say overcoming amen now do you got the slide for november baby you got that you gonna drop it like it's hot on them don't tease them when they <laughs> show oh, everybody go oh next month <laughs> no strong drink here just the wine of the spirit that's all i gotta say heroes of the faith next month come on make some noise for this Man, I got some people up here. I don't know if y'all know who they are. Well, I'm going to start with the real easy one. Dude with the lions. What is his name? Okay, we're going with that guy. We're going to talk about some radical men like him. This guy, beer, split in the Red Sea. Who is that? Okay, how about this? Now we're getting a little bit more difficult. The guy sinking after walking on the water with Jesus. Okay, now this is upping the level right here. Woman praying with the priest watching. Hannah, somebody say, Hannah, we want to talk about some awesome women of God. Who is this right here? Another woman of God with a soldier raising up his sword. Deborah, Amen. So we're going to be talking about heroes of the faith. Uh, these are just some of the ones I'll be covering. I may I got thirty already done. Okay, every month we do daily devotions, and the daily devotions for this have already been written. They're going to be released one day at a time. I'm talking about Deborah. We got Hannah. We've got Peter. We've got Jeremiah. I don't know which ones I'm going to preach on. You know why? Because you're going to help me pick. So this week on Facebook, I want you to check me out, Joe Yrostic. Find me there because. I'm going to ask you, what Bible hero do you want to hear about? And I'm going to give you the 30 that I've already written about in the devotions for you to choose from. Somebody say, oh, snap. Okay, so that's next month. This month, finishing out our series. Put up the notes for me, brother. Faith is what determines your victory. Here is the scripture. We've talked about it all month, and I am going to just, oh, by God's grace, Lord help me, put it all together today. And this is what I'm believing. You may say, man, like I'm idealistic. I might be a little cray-cray, but this is what I'm believing. Every single one of us are walking out of this place as overcomers. If you want to stay in your pity patty party and just have on your little sad hat, you can. Nobody is going to force you to get free. But if you want to get free, if you are sick and tired of being sick and tired, if you want to pimp slap the devil today, if you want to overcome those things that have been in your life, if you want to step out of your past and into your future, this can be your day. I'm coming right now Believe me, today's your day. Now, you may say, I don't believe that, preacher. Well, your faith is what's going to determine your victory. Whether or not you believe this, it's not going to affect your neighbor, and it's not going to affect me, baby, because I'm walking out of here as an overcomer in Jesus' name. Amen? I am not leaving one thing in my life the same way as I walk out of here today as I even before I get to read this scripture I got two people believing it I want us to read this confession of faith we've been saying all month long I am who God said I am and I can do what God said I can do that's not because Joel Osteen said it or some word of faith preacher said it that's because that's what God said God said it to Gideon you're a mighty warrior God said to Abraham you're a father of many nations when God says it we can do it amen put it up there for us so we can read it all together one two three I am who God said I am I am and I can do what God said I can do. Just stay on these notes, DJ. I need your help. Just stay on the notes. One, two, three, again. I am and I can do. Okay, now scroll down these notes, look at the scripture, see if I'm making it up, trying to get you hype. In fact, this is the scripture. In fact, there is no doubt about this. This is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. There ain't no but in there. There's no genealogy in there. Everybody overcomes the world, Jesus, but you don't know my life. You don't know what I've been through, but you don't understand all the problems I. Have. There is no butt there. Go on slim fast and lose your butt. This is what God says. Everyone born of the of God overcomes the world. Are you a partially overcomer and partially getting pimp slapped? or are you a hundred percent overcomer? See, what do you believe today? What do you believe? You may say, Pastor, I believe it, but I don't always see it. Well, then stand on your faith even if you don't see it. He didn't say everybody overcomes the world and always feels like it. Your feelings will deceive you. Have you ever felt like you were in love before? How did that work out? How about fifth grade heartbreak? Hello, somebody. I'm in love. I'm going to marry this person. I remember in Fort Wayne, Indiana doing square dances. With Katie Sorry. And I was like, Katie, I love you. I want to be with you. And she's like, I don't know you, but you're crazy. Don't talk to me anymore. And I'm so happy I didn't marry Katie Sorry from the fifth grade. But you see, my feelings, my feelings made me feel like she was the one. But my feelings deceived me. Come on, you ever feel like you look good in the morning, put on your outfit, go outside, and then somebody tells you you got a booger in your nose, you got a big zit on your face, your hair is out of place, but you say, I felt good. I felt like I was looking good today. Did you ever feel like you had money in your pocket when you were out shopping, and you were like, charge it, do it, bada bing, bada boom, and all of a sudden you get some insufficient fee amount on your credit card? Well, I was feeling it. I was feeling it. You were feeling jacked up and messed up. That's what happened. How many ever been to a wedding and feel you can dance? It's just the lights go off, the music comes on, and you just feel like you can dance. Then you look back at the videotape that somebody put up, and you're like, man, I, I didn't think I looked like that doing the electric slide. Yeah, you looked like that, but you felt like you were like Michael Jackson Thriller, you know, like doing whatever you're doing. Your feelings can deceive yourself. It doesn't say about your feelings. In fact, this is love for God. Keep his commands. His commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Our prayer and fasting and going to church seven times a week. Is that what it says? It says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our, even our faith. You see, some people want to say that you don't have a part in this. Some people want to look at the Bible as a fatalistic type of Bible or a story where God does it all, and you sit back passively, and he just does it to you. So people will say, well, I'm not set free from such and such because the good Lord has not taken his time yet to set me free. When God wants me free, I'll be free. Some may say the devil's a liar. It didn't say based on God's faith. If it was according to God, you would have been woke up this morning hitting your knees and praying. He would have been playing you like Pinocchio, speaking in tongues. You would have came in here shouting. But you are not Jesus' Pinocchio. Are you all listening? You're not his little puppet. It is your faith. Your faith determines the victory that you have in this world. It's not your neighbor's faith, it's not your friend's faith. it's not your mama's faith. I'm going to walk out of here victorious. You can walk out of here busted and disgusted. It's up to you. I'm going to walk out of here on the victory of Jesus Christ in his faith, that he placed in uh, his word, that he placed in my heart. to give me faith. My faith is in His word, but I have to choose to believe, some may say, my faith. Oh, help me, Jesus. I'm telling you, this week I told myself, I like sat down. I sat down and I told myself, God is my witness. Oh Dios mío, He knows. And I said, God, I have been preaching this every single week. I don't even get through my notes. I can't even tell the whole story. And I was like, deep breath. Okay, when I come up this, this is literally what I told myself. When I come up this week, I am not gonna preach. I'm just gonna talk and I'm going to read my notes, and I'm being dead serious. I went through this in my office, and I said, if I read my notes, I can go through the introduction in 12 minutes. I have already preached for 12 minutes, and I haven't even got to point number one. I haven't even got the point number one. Just scroll up and show them there's a point number one, and then there's a point number two, and there's a there's a point five I gotta get to today, but I'm just so excited about somebody overcoming because if you can get that word in your heart today, it will transform your life. Amen. Amen. Woo! Praise God. Let me just read the scripture. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Let's say it together. Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Let me give you now the point number one. Here are these terms defined easily for you to remember. Number one, what does it mean to love God? According to this passage into Jesus' words from John 14, 15, it means to obey his commands. So if you love God, you will what? Obey his commands. That's what he said. If you love me, you will obey what I have commanded you. How many parents do I have here? Do you not expect the children who profess their love to you to obey you? Right, If you love America, you're going to obey the commands of America. You're not going to cheat on your taxes. You're not going to try to blow up a building and rob, steal, and cheat. If you love a country, you're going to obey the commands. If you love your family, you're going to do what they're asking you to do. If you love your job, you're going to keep the policies. Everybody get that? Your love is not just something you express with your words. It's something you do. You live out. The Bible's not talking about a shallow love for God. It's talking about a love for God that's according to his commands. So that's why the Bible says love for God is to keep his commands. Now the Bible goes on to say those born of God overcome the world. So if we want to overcome the world, we've got to be those born of God. How many have already been born of a mother? Okay, this is go slow this morning. How many of you have been born of a mother? Okay, if you are not raising your hand right now, we want to pray for you. And we're just curious, sci-fi-ish. How did you get here? if you were not born of a mother now all of us born of a mother we can relate to having the attributes the looks the noses the ears the laughs the attitudes the way of doing things that our mother and father gave us but the bible says that if you want to overcome the world you've got to be born of god now how many here have ever been born of god The Bible describes this as being born again in your heart and soul. In John 3, 3, he told Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. He said, does that mean I have to go into my mother's womb and come out again? Jesus said, no, what's born of the flesh is flesh, but what is born of the spirit is spirit. So we've already been given a fleshly birth from our parents. Now we have to get one in our spirit from the Holy Spirit, God, born of God. Are you all tracking with me? But not only does it just make us new, the Bible says this new person we are, first Peter one, twenty-two through twenty-three, is cleansed and transformed and fully sanctified. When Jesus made you new, did He make you partially new? Like somebody goes onto the garbage dump and says, Man, I'm gonna find something new, and they put it up in their house and duct take it and then put it in, you know, like a rocking chair, it's all falling apart, say, Hey, here's a new rocking chair. Is that how Jesus does stuff? Or when he makes it new, is it brand new, spanking new, out the box, has never been put together. When Jesus made you new according to Peter, he didn't leave some sin in you and some bad stuff in you and say, Here's the new you, and you're all dirty and messed up, you know. You're like that ugly girl watching the Maybelline commercial, and you're like, if I could just get Maybelline, I'll be beautiful. If I could just have this hairdo. You know, like dudes are like, if I could just wear that shirt, I'll look just like Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, you're still messed up without all that, you know? And here's the point. When Jesus does that, He like playing. You know, anybody remember the, uh, the, the, the things, the glamour shots? Does anybody remember glamour shots back in the 80s? Like, we're just going to put a lot of makeup on the women and say, you are glamorous. No, you are weird. You just look, you got 80s hairdo and all that. No, you ain't glamorous. Now I got one woman clapping in the back. Amen. You know what I'm talking. Now, how about this, this? This thing about this. For those of you who don't get that, how many have ever had friends like when you guys were hanging out? That there was like maybe something like jump over a creek, or that's like Fort Wayne, Indiana. Maybe like uh, you know dribble a ball or wherever you grew up. They did stuff, and they knew you couldn't do it, but they wanted to watch you try. Like, why don't you try riding your bike down this hill? And then like you're, you're just like, I don't think I can do it. And, and they're like, Yeah, you can. <laughs> and then you try to do it. and You're like pedal, pedal, <laughs> scrape your face all along down the thing. Does anybody know what I'm talking? about does god do that to us does god say here's glamour shots you're really beautiful but we look weird to everybody else does god say hey you can live holy but really you're just going to slam down at the bottom of this hill or does it mean what first peter 22 to 23 says that we have been totally transformed and cleansed made holy for he is holy and then in corinthians 5 17 second corinthians we are made a brand new creation is Jesus that used car salesman going, oh, you're brand new? This is this is just like this car. It's a 1979. It's brand new. You're like, this thing ain't brand new, this thing's messed up. Is God looking at you, just looking at you all messed up with all your sin and just playing a mind game with you? Look, you're brand new. Does God do that? But don't we act like that sometimes? Don't we think when we're born of God that we're kind of a Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, that we're born of God, but really we still got a lot of evil in us, we still got a lot of bad in us, and God says we're holy, but we're really not, we're just jacked up sinners? If that's true, then why did God say what he said? When you're born of God, are you still a sinner or are you now a saint? Are you both? Are you a sinner and a saint? Like, who am I going to be today? You know, like you're in traffic, you're like, man, I ain't going to be a saint with this dude right now, I'm going to be a sinner. Is that what it's like? Young man goes to school and he like looks at a pretty girl. Ain't no saint here. You know, is that how it is? Are you a sinner or are you a saint once you're born of God? You're a saint. When you're born of God, are you fully forgiven or partially forgiven? When you're born of God, are you kind of a new creation or a brand new creation? Now I'm going to be talking about that today. Look at number three, as we have talked about it every week. But I'm going to really hone in on making you, uh, asking you, what do you really believe? Now, the Bible says overcome the world. When we're talking about overcoming the world, what are we overcoming? The lust of our flesh, the lust of our eyes, and the boastful pride of life, according to 1 John 2.16. The lust of the flesh is those evil desires that God... Bring us temporary pleasure, but God says don't do. So when you are born of God and the Bible says you overcome the world, does that mean you're going to sometimes be overcome by the things in the world, by your flesh? No, when it says you overcome the world, that means, everybody look up at me please, that means every single time there is a desire you have of the flesh to bring temporary pleasure, but is commanded by God to be a sin, God says you can overcome it there is not one temptation you face that God looks at his angels and goes oh well we can't expect them to quit I mean to overcome this this temptation come on give them a freebie guys you know like you're looking at you know your website Facebook and then all of a sudden there's some girl from I don't know where they're coming from but they always find me like from you know like Guatemala hey I've been looking at your Facebook and you're really cute I have to get offline right now but if you send me your email I'll send you some pictures does anybody ever get those right there you know what i'm talking about you know what i'm talking about now now does god just say oh come on give him a freebie give him a freebie hey antoinette my name is joe send me the pictures send me the pictures So let's see them because god understands i'm going to be overcome every now and then and so today's my freebie is is that what it means no when i overcome the world that means every time the lust of the flesh comes There's a way of escape. Number two, the lust of the eyes. Evil desires that you just want more. You're never satisfied. You just have to have more power, more prestige, more reputation, more control. And God says, give me control. Let me get the honor. Let me have the prestige. Then you have a choice. Is it God's way or is it my way? Do you think God expects you every time there is a choice between your way and his way, what you're lusting after and what he's given you as vision? Do you think there's ever a time where God says, it's okay? Let the world pimp slap you and have you be controlled by this or do you think every single time you face the lust of your eyes God says I can tell you how to overcome this I can tell you how to get through this and lastly the pride of life which says it's all about me you know I talk to people all the time and they're just so humble about not serving God you know I've really you know I lived in New Orleans about nine years and I've worked with psychics and and satanists and people that you know put in real teeth that made them fangs and they drank blood Dracula type people I've met them I've known them and they're not as scary as they look some of them are real scary and I've run away from them and had to cast out devils but most of them are just playing make-believe okay so I've been in New orleans i've met the fake most of them are fake but i've met some real satanic folk but most of the people i meet when they tell me they're not going to live for god they don't tell me they're going to go worship satan drink blood and have vampire teeth is everybody with me you know what they say they sound so humble oh you know man i'm just busy i'm just busy going to school i don't have time for church right now i gotta take care of my family do you know that that's satanic too do you know that what was the first origin of temptation who brought the first temptation to Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden who was that person the devil. Everybody say the devil. It's not a trick question. Who brought them that temptation? The devil. And what was his temptation? Was his temptation, (laughs) I'm going to take you to a haunted house and you're going to drink blood and I'm going to cut off your head and you're going to do all of this for me. I guess without a head you couldn't do that. But you're going to cut off Eve's head and you're going to be a nasty, dirty sinner. Now eat the apple. Is Is that what Satan said? Let's go be Freddy Cougar in this mamma jamma. Let's kill and destroy What? Did, what is the most satanic thing the tempter said did he say let's go be a Hitler and kill children and set the world afire is that what Satan said the most satanic temptation the devil ever said was what You can be God. You can be in control of this thing. You don't want God no more? Just eat that apple, baby, and your eyes will be open. It's your way, right away, Burger King before it ever happened. Are you listening? It was right there. So what is the heart of Satanism? Is the heart of Satanism sacrificing children, or is the heart of Satanism... The I in pride, you, right in the center. What is the center letter of pride? I. What is true Satanism? Pride. And the Bible says the pride of life is what will take away your humility towards Christ. You can't have the love of the Father and the love of God or the love of this world in your heart. This is what the Bible says. Those who have faith in Jesus Christ, they overcome the lust of their flesh they overcome the lust of their eyes and they overcome that pride that is in their life no matter how meek and humble it may sound they say it's not my will but it's his will I don't seek first my kingdom I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and he's the Lord of all and I do all things as unto him and for his glory and every knee bows at his throne and confesses Jesus Christ Lord of all for his glory do you believe that look up at that scripture and tell me if you see that being preached to you today see if you see it in the scriptures go up there with me brother to first John chapter 5 see if you see it there in fact this is love for God keep his commands his commands are not burdensome everyone born of God overcomes the world it does not say that my friends does it not say you will overcome the world yes or no? Yes, and what is the world? The lust of the flesh and the eyes and the pride of life. This is the victory. What's the victory that overcomes the world? Even our faith. Now go down to your notes. Number four, what is faith in Jesus as the son of God? What does that mean? Nancy tapped on it earlier today. It means to have full trust in the full person of Jesus Christ. So does that mean that everybody who says Jesus is my savior, do they really mean that? When a Mormon says, Jesus is my Savior, are they believing in the right Jesus? So can they have faith in him? They cannot have faith in the wrong Jesus. If you said, I love Joe, he he is the coolest hermaphrodite I have ever met. You ain't talking about this, Joe. I love hermaphrodites. They're children of God, too. But if you said of me, Joe is my favorite hermaphrodite pastor, I would be like, you have lost your mind. Who is that, Joe? Oh, that's the Joe that I go to at Metro Praise. He's a hermaphrodite? He's half man and half woman? Uh, yeah, he's. No, you don't know the real Joe. Are you all listening to me? If you said, Oh, I love Joe Joe from Metro Praise, he's a hot, sexy woman. He's a cross dressing, hot sex. You're all looking at me crazy, but I'm going to make a point. If you say, I love Joe Joe from Metro Praise, he's Metro, and he is a hot, sexy, cross dressing woman. What do you think I would say back to you? I would say you have lost your mind. JoJo. there ain't no Metro Cross dressing sexy woman. I love them people and I want to hang out with them people. I love all people. Y'all listen to me. But that ain't me. Look at your neighbor and say, that ain't him. Look at your other neighbor and say, I know that ain't him. Come on, you can know something about your pastor. I know it's hard, but you can know that, Okay. But some people say, oh, I believe in Jesus, and he was a prophet. He was a good man. Oh, what Jesus are you talking about? The Jesus of the Bible was not just a prophet or a good man. You are diminishing from who he is if you just say he was a prophet and a good man. Oh, I love Jesus. He was brothers with Satan. They had a battle in heaven, came down to earth, and now we get to be like him and have planets and have our own children. Oh, really, Mormon? What, Jesus, how are you talking about? You have lost your mind. Oh, Jesus was just like Buddha. He told us good things like fortune cookies, love your neighbor, golden rule. What, Jesus, you talking about? Jesus was not like Buddha. Jesus was not just a prophet. Jesus was not just a good man with good ideas like Mahatma Gandhi Jesus God eternal up in heaven the second person of the Trinity came down and took on flesh being fully God and fully man there ain't nobody like Jesus and if you're going to believe in Jesus you better believe in him as the one and only divine son of God that's how you put your faith in Jesus. Then other people, Hercules, her, oh, Jesus, Jesus, I believe in him. Okay, I'm not a Mormon, a Muslim, a, a Jehovah Witness, whatever. I believe in that. I understand that. But you know what? What is faith? What is faith? Is, is it just to say I believe in Jesus like I believe in Martin Luther King? How many believe in Martin Luther King Jr.? Make some noise. Now, now do you get an inheritance with Martin Luther King Jr. because you made some noise? Is one of his family members looking for you today from the family trust? Oh, you believe you believe in Dr. King? Well, here you go, honey you get some money. You're a part of his family now. Oh, does Dr. King ever speak to your heart? He speaks to my heart. Is that is that what we're saying? You see, because you can believe in a historical figure. That doesn't mean you're connected to that historical figure. How many believe in Michael Jordan? Does that mean you can fly and dunk the ball like Michael Jordan? Does that mean you could do that? How many of you believe in Bill Gates being a billionaire? Does that make you a billionaire? Does going into a garage going vroom vroom make you a car? Does going to a bank saying I got a lot of money up in this place make you a millionaire? You can be around the person of Jesus. You can be around him and not yet fully trust him with who you are. Faith simply means full trust, full commitment. It means whatever he says, I do. Wherever he goes, I go. He is now my Lord, my boss, my master, and I'm following him. And i got to say the example one more time because I'm excited. It is not like you and Jesus sharing life together like you guys are on some like boat cruise around downtown Chicago, like on that big white boat by Navy Pier. Anybody know about that boat right there? And like Jesus is your co-pilot and like you got your swag and your champagne and you and Jesus are hanging out. And every now and then you like flip the steering wheel and you're like, take the wheel, Jesus. And then Jesus is kind of like takes the wheel. And he's like, now you take the wheel. No, that is not how it goes. You ever see those dudes on speed bikes with the chick on the back and her tattoo sticking out? That's who you are. Jesus is the guy on the speed bike, young man, and you're holding on to Jesus like this slow down, Jesus, slow down. And Jesus popping, wheeling. That is you. That is you. You know what I'm talking about brothers be stumbling looking at them hot chicks going by people looking at you look oh look how hot you is hanging out with jesus that's how it is but jesus is in control you're hopping on to jesus's motorbike and you're holding on and you're squeezing and you're saying wherever you take this little suzuki i'm going with you somebody say amen oh praise him faith in god It means to have full trust and full assurance in the person of Jesus. You want to know who Jesus is? Read the book of John. Start in chapter 1, verse 1. Read all the way down to verse 18. And then if you want to skip ahead, read John chapter 3. Number 5, somebody say overcomer. An overcomer now, right here. Somebody say "Right right here. Is that person that puts their faith in Jesus. You put your faith in Jesus. You believe who he said he is. Your full trust is in his arms, like those trust falls. You go back into his arms. You trust him. The Bible doesn't say you might be an overcomer. The Bible doesn't say now you pray and fast and do a whole bunch of spiritual uh, backflips and aerobics and you got to memorize this. No, the Bible says the moment you believe and you put your trust in him, you're an overcomer. And what is that confession? I am who God said I am, and I can do what? Now, here are the heart-revealing questions number two. Do you believe in God? You see, because if I'm talking to people today that have issues in their life and you don't believe in God, there is nothing I can do for you. You have to believe there is a God. And I've given you evidences of that all throughout this series. Go back and check the notes. But those of you who believe in God, you have the opportunity to have God do something on your behalf. But you have to say, I'm not in control. I didn't come here by evolutionary accident. Nothing didn't explode and make something by accident and I get here today. You are the creation of God. God spoke this world into existence. He has planned out all of human history. He knows who you are right where you would be today." the hairs on your head, the thoughts in your mind before you ever think them. That's the God we're talking about, all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere. Amen? Do you believe in that God? That makes a difference. Number two, do you believe the Bible? 66 books is the accurate Word of God. 39 books of the Old Testament, 27 books of the New Testament. When you read these documents that have been handed down throughout the ages and they speak on behalf of God, prophets speaking on behalf of God, telling the story of God, the Gospels, the narrative, the uh, the biographies rather of the life of Jesus. When you read these 66 books, do you say, that's God speaking to me. Or do you put the Bible with the Bhagavad Gita, the Book of Mormon, and the Quran all together and say, well, I just pick and choose whatever I think? Is the Bible the Word of God? It makes a difference. Number three, do you believe Jesus, God in the flesh? Now watch this. Who died for man's sins, raised from the dead on the third day, ascended into heaven, is the only all-powerful and perfectly saving Savior. See, now this is where the rubber meets the road. Do you believe Jesus is God in the flesh, who lived a sinless life here, who died on the cross for your sins and mine, was buried in Joseph of Arimathea's grave, on the third day ascended, spent time with his disciples, then ascended into heaven. And he's there right now, fully God and fully man. Do you believe that Jesus did that? And therefore, he is the, only savior and he is perfectly powerful to save you see that's a big deal see if you don't believe jesus did that for you then you cannot expect your life to change and live differently if you do not believe that he is a perfect savior if you think he's that guy that's trying to fix your house and he's always doing a messed up job but you pay him because you ain't got nobody else you can get and you're just going to take it the way it comes if you think jesus is a remodeler like that, your life will always be jacked up. But do you believe that when Jesus takes over a home, takes over your house your house, he perfectly renovates you, perfectly saves you, and perfectly keeps you to the day he sees you in heaven? Is he a perfect savior? And then lastly, now you've got to answer this question: do you believe? Do you personally believe that you are who God said you are and that you can do what God said you can do? Now look at Romans ten seventeen, because here's how it works. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? The word of God. So your faith determines your victory. Do you believe what God said you can do? Are you going to believe that? Or are you going to believe your feelings? Are you going to believe this culture? Are you going to believe what Miley Cyrus says? Are you going to believe what even a preacher says? Or are you going to believe the word of God? Now, some people think faith is like an apple that falls off a tree, boom, hits you on the head, and you got it. And if you don't got it, you just don't have a way to get it. But that's not faith. Faith doesn't happen by accident. If you have lost faith and you're here today saying, Pastor, I used to believe all this, but I don't anymore. I've lost my faith. Do you know how you get back your faith? By hearing the word of God. If you're saying, Pastor, today I kind of believe what you're saying, but I don't believe it all the way. I still think I'm part of an overcomer and part defeated. I think God partly saved me and I think I'm partly going to hell if you are confused in that how do you get full assurance by hearing the word of God look at where it's bold and help me preach and say it out loud faith comes by and hearing by if you're not the word of God faith is not say it again faith comes by and hearing by if you're not the word of God faith is not so where are you at Put up the title for the notes, please. I have preached myself happy, and I got you just right where I think the Lord wants you. Because this is not about me now. The preacher had to preach it to himself before I got here. Now it is about you. Put it up to the title, please. I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I going to let the faith that I have in God determine my victory? Or am I going to look to something else? There it is. That's it. Well, Pastor, I, I got same-sex attraction. I'm attracted to the same sex, okay? Your faith determines your victory. I don't have faith that Jesus can set me free from homosexuality. Read his word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Pastor, I've been struggling with pornography for 20 years. Looked at it when I was six years old from my dad's uh, closet. 26 years old now. I can't quit. Well, your faith determines your victory. Your faith determines your victory. Pastor, I I just don't know if I can get out of this depression. You know, I have had a bad time in the economy. I've lost my house. People have uh, thought of me less in my family. Your faith determines your victory. You may want to say back to me, well, I thought it was God. Well, God is the same for everybody. The reason why one over here is set free and the other one over here is not set free, it is not God's fault. God wants to set everybody free. You may say, Pastor, man, I just, I just, I just can't get over, you know, thinking about the past. I've been hurt. I've been abused. People have lied, cheated, stole, sexually molested. I, just, I can't get past the past. Your faith determines your victory. Well, I thought I was just going to wait for God to just, poof, just hit me on the head and set me free. No, never did it like that in the Bible. Never. You show me one story. Every story in the Bible, according to your faith, according to your faith. Let it be done according to your faith. Gideon never would have been Gideon if he didn't believe what God said, that he was a mighty warrior. Deborah never would have did what Deborah did. Everything we're going to talk about, heroes of the faith, Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith Abraham left his home and went to a place he had never seen before. By faith he received a child of promise. By faith Joseph left the house of Pharaoh and became from the pit to Potiphar to prison up to uh, to, to Pharaoh's house. It's by faith, by faith. Daniel went into a lion's den. By faith, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't get burned by the flames. By faith, Peter walked on water. By faith, by faith, by faith. It is your faith. It is your faith that determines your victory. It is all on what you believe today. If you want to reduce it to a mockery, I've had people mock me back like this. Oh, so what you're saying is if i believe god mm, i'm just gonna change like that mm, and just snapping their gum at me yes that's what i'm saying and you are a fool for doubting it how do you think this world got to be god spoke it and it came how do you think a new life comes god spoke it and it comes it's a miracle You think you're going to go to 12 steps? I went to one step, baby. High school dropout, arrested eight times, smoked and did drugs, sold drugs. It was one step, November fifth, 1995, that turned my life upside down or right side up. You can say, I want to go on the long journey with Jesus to sanctification. You can take that long journey, or you can go right now and be set free. You you can say right now, well, Pastor, I don't know how sure I believe that. Click, clink, lock the door, throw it away. I'm not sure if I believe that, but I'll stay here in the prison cell of my own mind, my own thoughts, my own sin, my own temptation, until just dear old Jesus comes and picks that key up and sets me free. You can do that until you realize the key is faith. Until you realize the key is faith. I want to show it to you, point number four. Point number four, we ain't to five. Yes, somebody say, help him, Jesus. Point number four, look at it, Romans 10, 17. I want you to see it all together. Romans, let's say 10, verses 9 through 10. I'm not trying to be cocky, and I'm not trying to have a swag with you. I am telling you as it T.I. is for you, for me, from the front row to the back row, to, from the pulpit to the pew, from the visitor to the elder, this is the way it is. This is God's principle of his kingdom. And if you want it, you can have it. Your faith determines it right now. I don't have the scripture in the notes because I want them to see it. Look at Romans 10, verses 9 through 10. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you're not, say, hold up. Man, come on, pastor. You're making me feel bad right now. You mean I'm actually responsible for the person I become in life? Yes, you, you mean God actually res, wants to respond to faith and until I have it, he won't respond to my pity patty parties? Oh yeah, I'll blow your mind right now. I got somebody happy, but I will blow your mind. Why do you think God only touched those he touched, only responded to those he responded? Do you think it was problems that motivated him? Do you think God just said, well, I just want to help everybody that's got a problem, so I'm just going to walk on the earth, find a blind man, you got a problem. No, God went to people who had faith. There was a lot of blind people that didn't get healed like blind Bartimaeus. Why did blind Bartimaeus get healed? He had faith. There was a lot of people that were not chosen to be disciples. Why were they chosen? He saw that they would have faith and put it in him and they would fulfill the goal that he had for them. Jesus sees what's in your heart. The Bible says that only that thing that pleases him is faith. Hebrews says without faith, it's impossible to please him so I know a lot of times in church you guys want to do counseling and people want to talk, talk to the pastor for three hours well this is my problem and this is what I've been through and like sometimes like I feel like a nut and sometimes I don't and uh, you know like I'm a little crazy and and then I just hear what I have to say no Jesus said tell me one time where Jesus sat down with somebody like Dr. Phil and said hey let's just talk about your problems Jesus said this is the way it is nothing is impossible to those that believe if you have faith in in your heart the size of a mustard seed say to this mountain get out your way and cast into the sea i'm done lesson number two are you ready that's that that is it that is lesson number one that is how it works in god's kingdom well i'm not sure if i believe that okay we'll stay with that mountain in front of your face then well, I'm not sure if God want to do that in my family. Well, stay jacked up in your family then. There was once a rich man that said, Jesus, I want to serve you. But, you know, I got all these riches. And Jesus said, sell everything you have and come follow me. Jesus didn't say like, hey, sell half you have and let's work it out over time. And you give a little and I'm going to give a little like he's on Pawn Stars, like trying to negotiate with them. He said, hey, you don't want it. I'm going this way. The disciples freaked out. They looked at him and they said, who then can be saved? He said, well. With God, He said with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. You see, what we don't understand is that the same way he saved us is the same way he sanctifies and changes us. It's because some of us here take this message of faith and transformation so uh, uh, against the grain that we forget, how did you actually get saved? How did you actually get a ticket to heaven? Did you get a ticket to heaven because you washed the church's windows and you just hung out with Daddy Jesus so much? And he said, oh, let's just look at them, angels. Let's give them a ticket to heaven. They come around here all the time. How did you get a ticket to heaven? How did you get your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? By faith alone. Well, how are you going to get that attitude changed? How are you going to get your world changed? How are you going to see your life changed? Is it by you doing a bunch of things? No, by faith in God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. If you're there in Romans 10, turn there with me, please. A little sassy, but it's all right. I'm so happy you're getting this today. Because as for our church, this is what we believe. I don't believe in counseling for counseling's sake. Though if you need counseling, that's great. We do marriage counseling. We do different things. But here's the counsel. Have faith in God. Well, I don't know how to have faith in God. Read your word. I can't make you go to heaven. I can't change your marriage. I can't change you. Nobody here can change you. You understand? I'm here to give you the word so faith comes into your heart. Look at what it says in Romans ten nine. If you work really hard, go to church, confess your sins to a man who dresses up like mother and everybody calls father, and you kiss his ring, he feeds you communion, and then you get baptized as a baby, and then you get confirmed. If you do that, you will be saved. Is that what it says? If you fast 40 days a week, if you speak in tongues, jump in the church, run, shout, holler, give $1,000 to the preacher, wink, wink, and tell him it's not that you expect anything, but every now and then you're going to ask for a favor, and then you show up on Sunday and look at him biting your nails, not knowing what he's talking about, you're going to be saved. Is that what it says? How do we get saved? If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Oh, hold on. We got a principle here about salvation now. We have a principle that I believe and I confess. I believe and I confess. Look at verse 10. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith. Whose faith is it? Whose faith is it? Is it my faith? Is it God's faith? Your faith and our... Look at verse 11. Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Now keep on going. I don't have time to read the whole thing. Verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. What is his name? Jesus. No, but what is his name? Jesus, because it told you in verse 9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Now look at verse 13, Bible students. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. What's his name? Jesus will be saved Now, how can they call on the one that they've not believed in? How can they believe in the one who they've not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? So my job is to preach to you so you can hear and be saved. Your job with your neighbor, your friends, your co-workers is to preach so that they might be saved. Now listen, verse 15, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Has anybody ever heard of a vision called Connect Mentor? Send. So what we're doing is sending out preachers. Sounds like the Bible, right? Doesn't that sound like the Bible? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. They did not what? Accept the good news. What was the good news to the Israelites? You can be saved. You can be forgiven. I don't know if I believe that. I think Dr. Phil's going to tell me something different. I believe what Oprah Winfrey said. I don't know if that's really true for me. They didn't accept it. So what happened to them? They did not get the benefits of the good news. What is another word for good news? Evangelion in the Greek, what is it? Gospel. They did not believe the gospel of Christ. Consequently, Isaiah says, the prophet, Lord Who has believed our message? Is there a prophet like Isaiah here today asking God's people who has believed the message? Is there somebody in front of you today asking you the question like Isaiah did almost 3,500 years ago? Who has believed this message? Consequently, faith comes by hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of god verse 18 but i ask did they not hear of course they did their voice has gone out into the earth their words to the end of the earth again i ask did israel not understand first moses says i will make you envious by those who are not a nation i will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding keep going verse 20 and Isaiah says I was found by those who did not seek me I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me but concerning Israel he says all day long I have held out my hands to an obstinate and disobedient people which one are you? Put up the notes for me, good sir, please. Which one are you? Have you heard the message of the gospel? I just want to know in closing today, because I got 30 points. I'm going to run through real quick. Just hang on tight, okay? The fifth point has 30 sub points underneath it. Everybody say amen. You came to church today, right? Okay, so here it is. I want to ask you the question. Did you hear this week, this month, this whole series, the gospel message about Jesus Christ saving, uh, able to save your life? Did you hear that message? Did you hear the message that if you put your faith in him, he will save you? Okay, you heard it. Do you believe it? Now, the same way he saved you, is that the way he changes your life? First, John says, go up there, please, in closing. I want to close up real quick here, but it's, it's got to be right to close because I, I just can't leave this series unended without, it, with, you know, without every point nailed down. So you said you've been saved. How many here have been saved? Right, you said you've been. I've been saved. This ain't to mock you or to ridicule you. I'm just trying to get some of you out of stinking thinking and stop making excuses. I just want some of you to get free and live free. How many want to live free? How many know if you saw somebody in the jailhouse and you said, "I'm going to set you free," if they kept arguing with you and yelling at you, how many know that would be a problem? How many, hey, dude, I'm trying to set you free. How many know if they came to set the Holocaust victims free, the people are amnesia, the Jews are suffering? How many know if the people said, no, we want to stay here, we love it here, it's a lot of fun here? How many know that's a little weird? How many know that could actually start turning into rebellion? How many know if they start saying, no, I don't want to eat your food, I don't want to drink your water, I don't want to go where you go? You would eventually say to the people in captivity, okay, well, have what you want then. We're going to go set somebody else free. You see, what Jesus said is he hands out this message to the Israelites, but the Israelites didn't want it, but he gave it to the Gentiles. Most of us here do not come from the Israelite nation. Our our heritage does not come from Jacob, Israel. Most of us are Gentiles, non-Israelite people. So we are proof that the gospel is going around the world, and Christians today number around a billion people, but the house of Israel, Israelites, only number about uh, 20 million people. So that means there's far greater non-Jewish people serving the jewish messiah then there's actually jewish people on the planet are you listening but the illustration for us today is if the jewish people could have the message of god handed out to them and so many rejected i wonder today how many quote unquote christians are hearing the good news of jesus christ having it handed out to them and they're pushing back jesus's hand saying i don't want that in fact, so don't let nobody lie to you, in fact, this is love for God. How many God lovers do I have here? Then how many of you keep his commands? All of his commands, not some, all of his commands. Are his commands hard? It's not a trick question. Look at the Bible. See, faith comes by hearing. Hearing by what? The word Does the Bible say his commands are hard? So his commands are not hard. If you think they're hard, then what's the problem? you. Your faith, exactly. It's you. It ain't God. His commands are not hard. He is not playing the Maybelline, I want to be a little serious with you now. He ain't playing the, the Maybelline, uh, uh, you know, uh, glamour, shot, make-believe thing with you here. He's telling you the truth. His commands are not hard. Do you believe that? You got to confess, it. I believe God. Your commands are not hard. They're not a burden to me, Jesus. Not lying, stealing, committing adultery, turning my head away from pornography, not getting angry, living in depression. God, these are not a burden. These are a blessing to my soul. And if anything tells me in my life on TV, from any rock star, movie star, talk show host, anything other than that, I won't believe it. For everyone born of God, overcomes the world. Well, doesn't that just mean we go to heaven? I just read to you at the beginning of today's message what John, the author, the book is written, First John. This is chapter 5. I read to you First John chapter 2. He told you what the world was. He said, this is the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. The Bible says everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Now go down to point number five, and here is the closing. This month, I've given you out daily devotions. The last couple are coming out, lifechangeDevotions.com for them. For some,. Thumb, for some who think I just preach, You don't know me. I wrote 30 lessons. Do you understand I'm finishing up a 365 devotional right now? The preaching, the sweat, the hollering is because I'm passionate about what I believe. But I can sit down at a computer for hours and study this and put this out there. And guess what we did? We did it for you. 30 of the most common things that I see people get overcome by. I went... As your pastor, this is what I do. I'm not trying to boast, like just like we don't clap for the guy who gave us the hamburger at McDonald's. Like, dude, you're so awesome. No, it's his job. This is my job. Are you guys with me? Okay? Start with day one, the life of an overcomer. Day two. I'm going to go to my notes, brother, so you can just scroll down, because I'm going to start reading off some scriptures, and somebody might get happy and set free in here. I don't know what's up to you, what y'all want to do, but here it is. If you hear, believe, and confess the words, you can live out the word and overcome every area of your life. Day one talks, and by the way, we have this on our website in a uh, a 30-day packet. Uh, They're going to get printed out pretty soon, but it's on a 30-day setup where you can go to mpichurch.org, hit devotions, and click on them, and you can start right now, 30 days if you want, if you've been lacking behind. At any time, you can send this to somebody and read one a day and just be like, I will snap, crackle, and holler over every one of these things. I'm going to break their power over my life. Number one, overcomer. You've heard the message. Number two, overcoming pride. What's the word that brings us faith to change our life? In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to the older. All of you clothe yourselves with humility, humility towards one another. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You want to overcome pride? Here it is. Humble yourselves. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he may exalt you. There we go. So there's no excuse that anybody here walks out saying, I'm being overcome by pride. Has anybody here ever uh, struck? With the fear of man? Proverbs twenty-five, twenty-nine, for the fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Do you want to overcome the fear of man? Put your faith in that word today. Number four, the fear of failure. Anybody here ever fear to fail? You don't want to try things for God because you think you're gonna fail? Second Timothy one seven. The Spirit of God gave us not the spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Do you believe that? Do you want to live an overcoming life? Look at number five. Anybody here ever afraid of getting persecuted? How many of you would like to travel to Pakistan right now? Wave around your Bible and say, I love Jesus. How many ready to take a trip to China? Wave around your Bible and say, I love Jesus. How many want to go to Afghanistan and say, you love Jesus? How about North Korea? The real reason why we don't send out missionaries, take missionary trips, do like what we used to do in the church is because we're afraid of dying for the name of Christ. Because these nations kill Christians. And we have missionaries, people that are there laying down their life and if you ever are called by God to do these things and you say I can't because I'm afraid Luke 12 4 through 5 says Jesus talking I tell you my friends don't be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more but I'll show you who you should fear fear whom who after has killed the body has the authority to throw your soul in hell so what you afraid of now huh How many are ready to lay down their life for Jesus? Why is it somebody can become a Muslim terrorist, holla out Allah Akbar, blow themselves in a building, but you're afraid to talk to your neighbor because you've got the fear of failure. You've got the fear of persecution. You've got the fear of what your family's going to say to you. We come from a lineage of gospel preachers who have laid down their life to share it, be bold, and say, I don't fear you, I fear God. How about overcoming being self-centered? It's all about me. It's just all about me. This just, it's just church goes too long because I had to go do. Yeah, what do you got to do right now? That's so important, church. I just want to rebuke some that think they got to go right now. Go. God bless you. Don't come back. Find a church that's on time for your time. But we're on God's time right now. But let me ask all the self-centered folks up in here. What you got to do today is so important. Are you talking to the mayor? Are you building a bridge? No, you're full of self-centeredness. And you think when a preacher preaches, he's stepping on your Toast, it's a bad thing no it's a good thing baby because you better deny yourself pick up your cross and follow jesus if you want to be his disciple it ain't about you and these chairs will be emptied and refilled with 10 more like you because we've been doing this a lot longer than you've been complaining about it because this is the heart of christ I ain't afraid of what men got to say. Get over yourself. This is one of the most selfish, self-centered reality TV full of the devil generations I have ever seen. And this church will not give way to it. This is what I say to every self-centered person. Psalm 119.36 Turn my heart toward your statues and not toward selfish gain. Turn your heart towards the things of God. When was the last time you came to me and said, Pastor, you cut that service too short because I wanted to pray at the altars? When was the last time you came to one of our life group leaders and said, we're not doing enough Bible studies because my friends and family are going to hell and I care about their salvation? When was the last time you cared more about others going to heaven and not going to hell than you cared about your diet, your TV, your workout, your sports clubs, your children's games? All this nonsense we do in this world says will burn. When was the last time you fell on your knees and said, forgive me, turn my heart, God, towards what you love? I'll make you laugh and make you cry, get angry. I don't care. Number six, or number seven, overcoming an offense towards God. You know that some of you got an offense towards God. You think because God didn't save your Aunt Mima, God didn't help you out in your times of trouble, that you're going to shake your fist at Him. You're going to lock yourself in a dark closet and say, there's no more sun. I don't believe in a sun anymore. I can't see a sun. I don't believe in God. Do you know that the Bible says you will die burn in hell because of your prosperity? You better humble yourselves. This is what Job learned. Job was persecuted by Satan because God said, test him and see if he'll serve me. But you know what Job said? Job said in Job 13, 15, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. I've been to funerals, and I've watched I've watched my mother bury her daughter. My sister died because of drinking and driving, and I watched my mother bury her and say, God, it don't matter what happens in this life. I will serve you. If I lost my daughter, I'm going to still serve you. If this all goes to hell in a handbasket, I'm still serving you. See, some of you think you're going to have an offense towards God. You're going to get to heaven, and Judge Judy is going to decide between you and God. Well, Judge Judy, you know, God should have been there for me. I really thought he would would help me, you know, and then God's going to defend himself, like, you know what, you didn't really understand, you know, I had to allow this to happen, because such as, my friend, you better get over yourself, I don't care if you come to me with the most sorrowful story, I will feel compassion for you, you might have been molested, you might have been raped, you might have been having family members in the Holocaust, it doesn't matter what you have suffered in this life, if you shake your fist back at God, you have just sentenced yourself to hell, humble yourself and say, God, you you're you're in control. I'm not. Number eight, overcoming bad theology. You know, some people say, oh, you know what? I don't necessarily believe it that way. This pastor's crazy. I want to go listen to such and such pastor. Galatians 1a says, but if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be under a curse did you hear that right there do you want to look up up everybody i mean ashamed you know why i talk about catholicism the way i do because you follow that devil's lie you're under a curse you know why i talk about islam the way i do you follow that lie you're under a curse you want to know why i talk about mormons and jehovah witnesses the way i do you follow that lie you're under a curse and we don't seem to have preachers anymore that can tell you that they seem to let the sheep drink out of dirty water and fleece them and say you know what if i got dirty water. They're going to keep coming and I'm going to keep getting their sheepskin. But I'll tell you as it is because I care about your soul. You believe another message. You're cursed. New Testament. Repent. Number 9. I'm happy somebody. Uh, hallelujah. Number 9. Some people like, "Well, I can't be taught. I got such a bad attitude. Don't teach me nothing, pastor." Proverbs 15:31. Whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Well, I don't gotta listen. We'll find a church you'll listen to. I've had people tell me, well, I don't like this church. I want to go to another church. But you see, they go to another church. They go hide in the back. They live in fornication. They live a dirty, miserable life. But here's the thing. They don't have to do discipleship. They don't have to do accountability. They don't do life group. And they feel like, oh, they're doing better. You know what? If you've got a zit on your face and you never look in the mirror, of course you think you're all right. But you need somebody to show you you are messed up. The Word of God will teach you. And if you try to hide from it and say, well, I'm okay. I just had somebody write me this week. They said, Pastor, they said, I got a friend going to a church where the bishop is a lesbian, a lesbian preacher, and I'm trying to preach the gospel to this this person in this lesbian church. And they said, well, every argument I say to them, they don't want to listen. You know why? Because they're unteachable. They have to heed the correction. I can't force you to change your mind. It's not my job to change your mind. Do you understand? If God came back right now, split the sky in two, and we're in front of heaven, Nothing I have said by opinion Will matter anymore The only thing that's going to matter Is what you did according to this Somebody say My faith determines my victory And I ain't going to read them all. Uh, Rachel, would you come, please? Look at this. Number 10, overcoming greed. No one can serve two masters, your love one and hate the other. Overcoming the worries of this life. You can't let what people, uh, uh, your fears of finances, your fears of this world, uh, choke out your seed of life. Uh, Number 12, overcoming lack of faith. Look at what Jesus said. Look at number 12, please. Mark 9, 19. You unbelieving generation. See, did Jesus patty cake with those people? Did he say, man, you guys are so cute. He said, you unbelieving unbelieving generation how long shall i stay with you how long shall i put up with you jesus asked that question he asked that question to some of you in this room how long is he going to put up with you how long is he going to put up with your excuses your unbelief your inability to trust what he said When did we start trusting what Oprah went for? You know, I talk about homosexuality being a sin in people in this culture. Oh, my gosh. Look, It's obvious it's a sin according to the Bible. It's never been an issue. You know why it's a faux pas to so many in this church and in this culture? It's because you've been convinced by Oprah Winfrey that it's okay. You've been convinced by other people it's okay. But it was never his word. Do you know why when we talk about abortion, we talk about these types of uh, pornography, and everybody gets their little you know, feathers ruffled? you know why? It's because they don't listen to what he says. And Jesus said, you're unbelieving. How long will I put up with you? He said, bring the boy here. And he set the man free. Look at number 13, overcoming laziness. I have never, our obesity speaks louder than I have ever, you know, uh, the, the obesity and the physical nature is so representative of the spiritual laziness I see in people's lives today. Do you know when I was growing up, you know when we used to go to church? We would go to early church for Sunday school, Sunday morning. Then we would go to church Sunday morning. And then we would go to church Sunday night. And then we would go to church Wednesday. And if there was a youth activity, we would go to church Friday. And if my parents had life groups, they would have them on Saturday. That's how much we used to go to church growing up we can barely get people to come to church one day a week maybe a life group we have to arrange our lives to fit around people's such busy schedules. but let me ask everybody here that's lazy for God but working hard for your job let me ask you a question before you came to this church you worked as hard as you did you had the money that you had how happy were you how happy were you without God in your life How happy and satisfied has your job, this world, your family satisfied you without Jesus Christ being in the center? Then why would you take Jesus Christ out of the center of your life now? I'm not talking about being lazy on your job. I'm talking about giving Jesus the same amount of effort that you give your job. There's people right now working downtown Chicago because they want to get ahead for tomorrow when the stocks open up, when the business turns on. My wife and I, every time I start to feel a little compassion for our workers that got to come here early, I drive by this flea market at the, uh, not the United Center, but the Allstate Arena, and I see this place full every time I drive by the church. And so we get up early this morning for the staff meeting around 7 o'clock, and they're still out there. And I ask my wife, when do these people get out here? She's probably, they probably get out here at 6 o'clock in the morning. There's people going to the Allstate Arena at 6 o'clock in the morning to go sell their little trinkets. And yet they just can't give it for God. What's happened to our culture? What, what happened to your family? I want to ask some of you right here, when was the last time you spent an hour with Jesus? on your own during the day would would you would it blow your mind if i actually told you that i teach all of our disciples here to spend an hour a day with jesus when was the last time be honest put it in your heart that you sat down with your bible your notebook prayer worship bible and said one hour with jesus you know the average you spend on a computer two hours you know the average you spend on TV, two hours. Two hours. They say on media and entertainment with your computer and your TV, the average American, five hours a day. The teenagers sometimes up to six, eight hours a day in front of their video games, in front of their TV. And then we ask ourselves, why are we so jacked up? Because we don't put the word in us. When was the last time? Write it. I want somebody to write it down. Please listen to your pastor. I want to see pens and papers right now. When was the last time you spent one hour reading your Bible and praying? Thank you for those who respect me when I get into this zone because I am putting the devil on the run today. Proverbs 18, 9. One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. You may say, Pastor, but you know what? I ain't doing drugs. I'm not having sex. I'm not cheating on my wife. If you are lazy in your spiritual application of God's word, you are brother to destruction. Destruction's coming your way. Do you know how many people I've seen leave this church say, I'm going to go have a happy life without God, and their life gets turned upside down, flipped upside down, and they don't even know the right from their left anymore? You say, oh, he's trying to scare us. You know what? There are some people, you know the people that I worry about the most? Let me tell you this right here. You know the people I worry about the most are not the ones who leave this church and then they, you know, get into crime or something. We've had so many like that. But you know the ones that worry me the most is the ones... Like you've been at the beach and you, you you pull up sand by the water where it's coming in. And once you pull up that sand, uh, all the other sand just kind of comes in. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? You pull up the sand by where the water's coming. You pull it. You say, man, I'm going to pull this up. And then whoosh, it just covers it up. You can't build that sand castle right there. You know what I'm talking about? Guys, right here, you know what I'm talking about? When I watch people take God out of their life and the devil just comes whoosh, and just fills it in with all of these things. You know why I have so much concern for them? Because they don't know what they're missing. They thought God was just a, a little sideshow, a little, a little, uh, you know, little cherry on top. I would. I, I Listen, I want everybody to look up at me. I would rather you never come back to this church again and understand this preacher expects you to change than for you to sit here and think that it's okay for you to live some fake life with God, continually trying to, like, scoop your life out of sand with the world. And the world just fills it in every week, every week, every week, until you just get tired. And you're like, well, what's the point? Every time I pray, it just goes back to normal. Every time I read my Bible, I would rather you walk out of here, disown this church tweet me put me on youtube and say this guy actually expects me to build my life not on sand but on the rock of god's word then for you to be here thinking that christianity is you just trying to change every day and then every day the sand comes back in and you're jacked up again does everybody get the illustration And you just do this so much and so much. And then I meet people from other churches. They say, well, I'm tired. I tried that. It didn't work. Whatever you did was not Christ if it didn't work. If you're still the sinner and the person you used to be and you say, I tried what you are telling me, you, my friend, are lying. You did not try what I am telling you. There's at least 60 people in here that have done exactly what I am saying, not because I said it, but because God said it, and their life has never been the same. Overcoming sexual sin. He said, I tell you, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery with her in her heart, in, in your heart. I want everybody to look up at me. Do you believe that you can overcome lust of the eyes? Do you think there's ever a time when God says, you know what, man, when you look at that woman, it's okay, undress her think about having sex with her? Or do you think God's words actually means what it says, you can overcome? How many want to overcome lust every single time? Do you know why Christians repent? Did you ever think about why you actually repent? Why should you have to repent if God already knows you're a sinner and died for your sins? You see, people tell me this all the time. Pastor, God knows I'm a sinner. God knows I've sinned. So why do I need to keep trying to say, like, change me and all this? So be they get into this deception where it's God knows I sin. He knows I'm a sinner. He knows it's okay. Do you know why it's not okay to live that way? Because he created you to be an overcomer. And every time you sin, it is like my child, Lucas Wyrostic coming to me saying, I'm not a Wyrostic. I don't believe in what you believe in, Dad. He is denying the very person we've made him to be. When a Christian lives in continual sin, the Bible says it's an open rebellion to God because God's children were not made to live in sin, not one sin. Well, what happens if we sin? You repent and you sincerely mean, I am sorry. How many times do you think I could say to my wife, Nancy, I've cheated on you today. Forgive me. And how many times do you think we would go through that and we would still be married? All you here right now, you guys are good people. How many times do you think I could steal from you, right? We took up an offering. Hey, you know what? Last week's offering, man, I saw some shoes I wanted at the mall. Uh, I just happened to spend your offering. Forgive me. How many would come back next week? And how about the week after that? I say, hey, you guys, you know what? We were looking to buy some food. I didn't have money on me, so I just took the offer. I just started spending your money. How many times? You see, the Bible says that there is forgiveness 70 times 7 for the children of God in covenant with God, but there is not forgiveness. And I'll show you Hebrews 10, 26. There is not forgiveness for one sin, one, somebody say one, that's done with the heart of rebellion. So the difference between me, And a non-Christian is not the amount of sin. The difference is, is the heart when I sin. If I say when I sin, oh God, you said I committed adultery. I am so sorry. Change me to who you made me to be November 5th, 1995. You know what Jesus says to me? I forgive you, son. I forgive you. But you know the person who says, God, you know, come on i'm just going to keep on sinning and you're just going to keep on forgiving god says you don't get one forgiven he said to the woman you know the story about the woman caught in adultery some some of y'all got to get this remember the woman caught in adultery and they were going to stone her and then and then he said where are your accusers because they all left and she said nobody lord he said neither do i condemn you. you guys remember that what was the next words he said to her out of his mouth go and sin no more anybody deal with family rejection my family rejects me. My person, you know that God actually promised that brother will betray brother. Father will betray their children. Children will rebel against their parents and put them to death. You know that a day is coming in the last days like they did with the uh, the Germans and the people they oppressed in Nazi Germany that the children turned in their parents. If they heard you at the dinner table in Nazi Germany talk about, uh, if your children heard you talk about Hitler, you said, man, I don't like that Hitler guy. Your children would report you and then they would come arrest you and you would be persecuted do you know that in matthew 10 21 it says it's going to happen in the last days you will be handed in by your own children if you have a rebellious child right now parents and they don't love god and the end times are here and the christianity is illegal like it is in china and north korea if your children don't like you no more they can go down to the police and say my parents make me pray before i eat and they can say just like in daniel's day throw them to the lion's den get ready verse 22 You will be hated by everyone because of me. Did Jesus say I would be loved by everyone because of him? I'm not walking around with a chip on my shoulder, but he said you would be hated by everyone. Now, what did he say? But the one who stands firm to the end will be overcoming shame do you ever feel embarrassed about what you did in life you ever feel like your past is being drug around with you everywhere you go psalms 34 through 4 through 5 says i sought the lord he answered me he delivered me from all of my fears how many fears all my fears those who look to him are radiant their faces are never covered with shame You say, Pastor, I'm so ashamed. Look to Jesus, and according to your faith, it will determine your victory. Well, Pastor, I just don't believe that. You will live with a face full of shame till you have faith to look to Jesus. I don't care what. There is no but in here. It doesn't say some of your fears. It says all of your fears. What if somebody finds out this is who I really am? What if somebody finds out this is really what I'm afraid of? What if somebody finds out these are the mistakes that I've really made? The Bible says those who look to Him are set free from all fears, and their faces are radiant, and they're never covered with shame. When does that start for you, friend? I hope it starts today. I hope anybody here covered with shame says enough's enough. I'm looking to Jesus and I'm getting a radiant face and I'll never be covered with shame again. Overcoming unforgiveness. I can't forgive. You don't know what I've been through. Look at what Jesus said and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. If there is somebody in here today you have not forgiven, you will never be forgiven. The only way you can say to God in the present tense right now, God, you forgive me, is if you look back over every person that's ever hurt you in your life and you say, I forgive you. I forgive you, dad, for not being there. I forgive you, uncle, for molesting me. I forgive you, government, for neglecting me. I forgive you, boss, for mistreating me. I forgive you, friend, for backbiting me. I forgive you, church, for hurting me. I forgive everybody. Now, God, forgive me. Now, God, pour out your forgiveness on me. If you want to walk out of here today in unforgiveness and be burdened down by the pain that other people have done, the dagger in your chest, you can't. But if you want to pull out the dagger that they put in your chest, you forgive them. You forgive them. Your faith determines your victory. I've been hurt by leadership. Ezekiel chapter 34 verse 2 says that God will judge every shepherd that has abused you. Now, are you going to trust God to do that or are you going to try to do it yourself? If you've been hurt by a church, if you've been hurt by a parent, if somebody has taken advantage of you, the Bible says God's got your back. He will fight your battle, leave vengeance to him and move forward. What do you want to do? Do you want to walk around living in the past, driving in the, try to drive, looking in the rearview mirror? How many have ever tried to look in the, drive by looking in the rearview mirror? How long does that last, you looking in the rearview mirror? You're going forward, but you're looking backwards. How about gossip? Anybody here ever been gossiped about? Does anybody here love gossip? Does anybody here like having gossip said about them? How many want to overcome gossip in this world, in this culture, in this church? A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. You don't ever have to gossip again. Overcoming the troubles of your life. Look what Jesus said. I'll Put this, please put this scripture up here. I want to pimp slap the devil right now. I ain't mad at nobody but the devil. I'm going to read what Jesus, matter of fact, can we all read this? highlight this right here. I'm about ready to just wet myself Just read John 6 This is Jesus One, two, three. I have told you these things So that in me You may have peace In this world You will have trouble But take heart I Does anybody believe that today? Jesus I thank you for your peace Dear God, put this on TV. Does anybody in this church, in this city, in this nation need peace? Do you want to walk out of here without peace? I am pleading with you. Do you want to walk out of here troubled by this world? Or do you want peace? You can have peace today. Not because of what they've done in politics, not because of Obamacare, but because of what Jesus Christ did. He says, take heart, my child, I have overcome the world. He overcomes Obamacare. He overcomes sickness and disease. He overcomes depression, financial lack and ruin. He overcomes teenage rebellion. He overcomes all the troubles that you face. Do you want God's peace? Number 21, overcoming deception. People say all the time, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Do you understand if I'm preaching to this congregation and you are saying to me, I don't believe it, pastor. You have lied to me. Let me just say this. Everybody look up at me, please. And I appreciate you all staying with me. But I want to say this last sassy thing. Listen to me. Get it on tape. I want to say it so clear. If you can find any pastor, any elder... Any Bible teacher that doesn't agree with this, I will debate them publicly here for you. We've debated Muslims here. How many were here when we debated Muslims? How many were here when we brought the Mormons in? Started with one, then he brought four on stage and had no answer. You remember that? I promise you, your pastor is not afraid. Bring whatever pastor. Bring a priest. I don't care who you bring. We'll give equal time. We'll have... A moderator, I'll pay them $50. I'll take them out for lunch. We will honor them because I want you to listen to me. If you think I am telling you a lie, you get the best educated representative you can. And we'll do it right here on Sunday morning. Jared, am I telling the truth? Jared has seen me in so many debates. Am I telling the truth? They're online. Too. Am, I, am I making this up? It will, be, it will have Because here's the thing. If you don't believe this, if I don't believe this, this is what Paul says. It's not a game. 2 Corinthians 11.3 But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. When I talked, I wish I could name names, but I ain't going to do that. Be cra- That's way too crazy. But I wish I could just say, Bobby. and There's nobody I know, I know here by Bobby, by the way. Bobby, do you believe Jesus will set you free today from depression? I don't know, Pastor. I don't know. It's so hard. Don't be deceived, Bobby. Mark. There's nobody here I know by the name of Mark. Mark. Do you believe you can be set free from perversion? That you'll never, ever look at pornography, same-sex attraction, adultery, however perversion, however the version has been distorted sexually in your life. Do you believe it? No, Pastor, I, I just you don't know what's been done to me. You don't know how I think. This is my concern. Do you get it, brother-ish? This is my fear, that you've been deceived, that you've been told something that's not true. It is true that God sets free sinners. It's true. Everybody look up at me. It's true. He changes lives. It's true that people go from who they used to be to who God wants them to be. It is true that one day becomes the past and every other day forward becomes the future. It is true that depression breaks in His presence. It is true that love flows like a mighty river from His throne. This gospel is true. Overcome being easily offended. Some people just get so offended. Proverbs 19.11 says a person's wisdom yields patience. It's to one's glory to look and overlook an offense. Some of you in marriage, you can't get along because you get so easily offended. Parents can't get along with their kids. They get so easily offended. People can't even make an order at McDonald's without getting offended. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Road rage on the street because we're all so offended. How dare you talk to me like that? How dare you treat me like that? How dare you say that about me? How dare you look at my wife that way? How dare you treat my kids that way? You know what the Bible says? Be patient. If you go around in life being easily offended, do you know what the devil has? The devil's just gone fishing. He's put his hook right in your mouth, and all he has to do to take away the joy of your soul, the peace of your mind, all he has to do is just yank. How much is your peace worth in life? How many have ever been in a grocery store about ready to slap somebody upside the head, bringing up 100 items, and they're in the five-lane list, uh, the five-list thing? How many uh, you maybe were at a place of losing your mind, slapping somebody out your, uh, out of their head, but God said to you, is your peace worth it? And you said to yourself, no, my, my peace is not worth it. I remember one time we were driving, Nancy, this, you know, this person cut us off, and this time I actually didn't get upset, and she got a little upset. Remember what I said, it ain't worth it. You see, we have to overlook offense. There are some things worth fighting for, but these kind of offenses they get into people's hearts. You talk to people about why they leave churches offended, why well, he went to 1230 that they really that, that that's the reason why somebody's gonna leave Metro Praise International, the church that disciples and praise and loves you because we want a half hour over. You got offended over that? Get over yourself. Look at the next one over, overcoming hypocrisy. Do you know that there's people in this church that are pretending they don't need this message right now? Well, I'm so glad he's given this to so-and-so because you know what? I've been trying to tell them. They need to change. I just, you know, I just hope they get it. Come on, honey. I hope you get it. What about you? Do you need the extra 38-minute overtime? And don't get me started on overtime. We get so happy. World Series going overtime. Football going overtime. But don't let the church go overtime. Oh, three-hour movie? Oh, we'll see a three-hour Transformers about make-believe. And yet we get impatient about a preacher talking God's word to us to overcome. God have mercy on us all. Look what Matthew 23, 28 says. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous. But on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. I want to ask you a question, do you want to overcome hypocrisy? I've got leaders in this church. I won't name names. That's not what I do. But we've got leaders and elders in this church and you can talk to them. And you can ask them, were you a hypocrite at one time? There were people a part of this church in leadership, singing songs, worshiping, tap dancing, shouting, hollering and they weren't living right. I remember for a year, some of you were here during that time. We had the podium facing the other way. For a year, you think this is something. Oh man, there was a year I would not even sometimes get up off my knees. Do you remember that? And I would just compel people to come right to the altars, no preaching and it was just god have mercy do you remember that brother come on those who were here and do you know within about a year of doing that within 30 days we had eight people confess hidden sin and all of it was hypocrisy we're having sex and we ain't married pastor and we've been a part of leadership the last year pastor i've been in charge of this and i lied to you and i did this i had over eight people in our leadership are you listening to me church Say, on the outside, we look righteous, but on the inside, we are hypocrites, and we are wicked. Who are you? You want to leave hypocrisy today? This ain't just a funny sermon series. This is a real, I'm not mad, I'm just telling you, do you want to leave hypocrisy I want somebody, not to me But we have prayer workers up here in a little bit I want somebody that this word is for I want you to walk right up to them and say I am that hypocrite You don't know me really I've been doing this and I've been doing that But you don't know me and I want God to forgive me See what happens when you tell the truth God will change you Overcoming a lack of trust Overcoming dishonesty Overcoming being lukewarm Look at day 26 And I'm just giving you the scriptures For these lessons if you want to read them Revelation 3.16 So because you are lukewarm Neither hot nor cold I'm about to spit you out of my mouth How many want to hear that From Jesus on judgment day Could you imagine that Could you imagine Standing before Jesus Everybody look up at me please Could you imagine Your pastors How many know we all go out And do different things after this Right we don't just keep preaching all day Right I'm going to go home You're going to go home We all go our separate ways Let's imagine we never see each other again Let's say God tells me to go to Africa. You show up, Pastor Berto's here, and I never come back, right? So it ain't about show. So let's imagine that. And we get up to heaven, and I'm standing there before the throne of God being judged. And Pastor Adam is there, our youth pastor. You're there. And this is what God says to me. Imagine this. About ready to weep, just saying it. Help me, Lord. He says to me Brian depart from me you're neither hot nor cold I'm going to spit you out of my mouth you lost the fire you had when you were in Bible college you stopped loving me with everything you made it about religion do you know my biggest issue as a pastor Is not to try to entertain you My biggest issue as a pastor is to preach two hour messages Because it's did I say enough I'm going to be held accountable What if God said to me You blew it Joe Now you may sit back and go Oh my gosh He was so radical He was so awesome He was so great But what if God said little by little, like the dial on your stove, just little by little, I said, God, I don't, I don't want to be that hot anymore. God, I don't, I don't want to preach that long anymore. God, I don't want to risk offending people like that anymore. God, I, I don't want a church that disciples. It. God, I just want to have people have a good time. God, I just, and I just kept turning down the dial to God said, Joe, get out of my presence. Now think about yourself ask yourself this question has there ever been a time in your life you've been more on fire for God than you are right now has there ever been a time in your life you would say back then I was more excited about God because if right now you're not the most on fire you have ever been you are going backwards and you are in danger of this overcoming discouragement how many ever been discouraged discouraged How many don't come to church when they're discouraged, right? I'm so discouraged, I feel like quitting. You know what the Bible says? If you let discouragement get you, here's a word. Anybody ever heard of a coward? Do you know on the day of judgment, the Bible says, but for the cowardly, the fearful, and the unfaithful will find their place in the lake of fire? Do you know that if you are a coward and you say, you know what, I got discouraged, man. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. Do you know you cannot listen to what a preacher is saying because of your discouragement, and you will walk out of here busted and disgusted because you did not listen, and if you don't guard your soul, you could actually go to hell, hell because you stopped listening to what God said because you got discouraged. How many have uh, been serving the Lord and have had a friend stop coming to church? How many have had to get over a friend stop coming to church? How many have ever been discouraged by somebody not coming that used to come? How many here have ever had a family member put down their faith of serving Jesus like the way we are right now? How many of you have ever been discouraged because something in your life didn't work out the way you thought it would? But did you hear what God said? Lack of time management. Look at Ephesians 5.16. Here's this. We're closing right here. Let me ask you this. Nancy, can you come up here, please? I want you to read Ephesians 5.16.
5: Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil.
0: What does it say? Make the most of every opportunity. Do you make the most of every opportunity? I watch my wife. She's raising three kids. She's in charge of SU and Bible College. She has to put up with me. And I watch her make time to pray and seek God's face. Do you know that some of the most successful people I know with God, Brother Anthony will be here in November, Pastor Ron over 50, 60 years of serving the Lord. Do you know that they're also the most concentrated, (coughs) excuse me, and most dedicated people with their calendars because they said, I will serve God. I will make the most of my time. When I was single, I used to just waste time like it was just free money. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You just waste time. Now you wish you had that time back. But let me ask you something. You still got an hour today. Did you waste it sitting in this church? You gave me the 1246, Right? When was the last time I did it? Probably hardly ever. But let me ask you a question. Did you waste your time? What would you have done? What, are you going to eat? Anybody starving here? Okay, let me ask you a question tomorrow. You're going to spend an hour with God? You're going to spend an hour with God tomorrow? You're going to read his word? you going to spend time with him? Don't waste your time. And lastly, overcome lovelessness. Look at Revelation 2-4. Uh, would you stand up with me, please? Let's not clap until I get done with this Because I want to bless the Lord today It's his word, amen Revelation 2-4 Yet I hold this against you You have forsaken the love you had at first The same thing with being lukewarm is like being loveless And I want to read this out today as we close So just click on it please Because I want to read the whole thing for everybody to hear Yet I have this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Man, would you come as I do. The most tragic thing to lose in your walk with God is your first love. The first love we have for Jesus is priceless and incomparable to any kind of love in this world. A simple definition for love is defined as strong emotion, intimate care, self-sacrifice, and passion for someone. If you have never truly loved God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then you have never really been saved or born again. In other words, it's impossible to come into a relationship with Jesus without first loving him with everything you have because loving God is the first and foremost important commandment found in Mark 12:30. The Bible clearly defines loving God in two specific ways. First, we love God by worshiping and adoring him, John 4:24, and second, by obeying all of his commands, John 14:15. First John 2 4 boldly declares whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in that person. Therefore our first and continuous love for God should always be in worshiping him and following all of his precepts. At the same times things in life even God's blessings like our family roles and jobs can easily slip in and try to divert our worship in obedience. Anybody ever feel that? Anybody ever feel while you're serving God, good things start to slip in and can divert you from serving Him? The things that He actually blessed you with. I've, I mean, I, there's a young couple I know right now that we prayed for months for a job. And ever since he's had the job, he stopped coming to church. For example, imagine or excuse me, at the same time things in life, even God's blessings like our family roles and jobs can easily slip in and try to divert our worship and obedience. This is not to say that we cannot both love our families and God, but you can begin to lose your love and affection towards God and use your family or job as an excuse. I'm so busy, i got to do this. My family needs me. For example... Imagine beginning to think about being present at a family function or a job is more important than your love and service to God. This would be making your family or job an idol. Therefore, no matter how much we love our family and want to be successful on our job, we must never forget what Jesus said in Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me, Does not hate his mother, father, wife, children, brothers, sisters. Yes, even his own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. God must always be the center of our families and jobs. Or we and our family slash job will perish forever. It will always and forever be about Jesus. I'm going to read that again. It will always and forever be about... I think we all need to say it again one more time. It will always and forever be... About Jesus long after your life on this earth it will still be about Jesus how do we keep our first love and dedication to God all throughout our lives Jesus told us in Revelations 2 5 do the things you did at first as a result if you have lost your first love repent and do the things you used to do And if you never want to lose your first love, keep worshiping and obeying God's commands. Never stop. Have you lost your first love? If so, pray this out loud. Father, forgive me for allowing the things of this world to take away my passion for you in total obedience to your commands. Empower me to do the things I did at first and never to stop. Amen. Do you still have? Your first love for Jesus. Number one, repent if you've lost your first love for Jesus. Come on, follow me, Pastor, uh, DJ. Repent if you've lost your first love for Jesus. Number two, if you've lost your love, start worshiping God and obeying all that he commanded. No, sh- no shortcuts and no compromise. And live your life loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Can we bless him today for his word? Amen. (laughs) Altar workers, would you come, please? Let's pray. Father, I went an extra hour to read your promises to your people. God, may none of us leave out of here the same way we came in, God. God, I pray that whatever in this world has overcome us, maybe I didn't even list it today, but whatever it is, God, would be broken. So that when and whoever comes back next week can come without shame on their face, can come with joy and peace in their heart, And really mean what they say when they say, I am who you said I am. And I can do what you said I can do. I love you. I keep your commands. They're not a burden to my soul. I am born of God. I overcome the world. And it is my faith that determines my victory. God, let us do it today and for the rest of our lives. For our children and our children's children. Let the world know today, God, that there is a church full of overcomers that have had enough with the devil and his lies and have stood up to sin in the world and have enough courage to believe we overcome. In Jesus' name, can you say amen one more time? And bless him, hallelujah. Slap your neighbor high five and say, God bless you. You're dismissed if you got to go. Thank you for waiting. This band is going to worship. Now for those who want prayer, would you not hesitate? Would you come to these altars? Would you find an altar worker or a place to kneel down? And would you get right with God? those who have to go thank you for staying but those who want to overcome would you come all those who are tired of hypocrisy come those who are tired of believing another gospel come those who want to be free from sexual perversion come Hallelujah. If you're waiting to be prayed for, just pray as you're waiting, maybe even on your knees. Because we're not saying that you need a man. We're just saying that Jesus is the answer. Come on, who needs Jesus? We're not ashamed today to believe all who call on the name of Jesus can overcome everything in this world. Come on, if you've been deceived, come forward and be set free. All perversion is going now. All deception is going now. All compromise is going now. All the lies of the devil, the fear of failure is going now. Shame is going now. Self-centeredness is going now. Jesus take it all, take it all. Bitterness, unforgiveness, go now, Go now in Jesus name, never come back. I declare there are overcomers in this room. I declare as the prophet of God, with the voice of God, there are believers in this room who has believed the message of the gospel. I declare those here have, who've confessed Jesus as Lord, they are saved. They are saved. We are delivered from our enemies. There is no enemy able to stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords today. There is no deception There is no lie that can remain hidden. No compromise. Hallelujah. Raise up your church, Jesus. Before we can do what those great men of faith did, we have to have faith like them and be set free from all that hinders us. Woo! Come on, man, just keep playing, but don't sing for a second here because I want to say this come on keep praying those who are praying worshiping but if you can't hear this today therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run the race looking unto Jesus who is the author and finisher of our faith for the joy set before Him He endured the cross and despised the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our faith comes from God and it is perfected by God therefore let us look unto Jesus every pastor that was prayed for today including myself when you think you stand take heed lest you fall work out your salvation with fear and trembling looking unto Jesus Fight the good fight of faith. Do not let your faith be shipwrecked. Remain in your victory and let no one take your crown. We're going to sing it as a worship song. Just give me Jesus. But those who could hear me say that scripture and pronounce that blessing, would you just raise your hands and just believe it with me? I will look unto Jesus. He will perfect my faith. His word will be a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. How will a young man keep his way pure? But by your word, O God, your word have I hidden within my heart that I might not sin against you. Hallelujah. Who may stand in the presence of the Lord, who may be on his holy hill, those that have clean hands in a pure heart, who have now lifted up their soul to an idol or sworn by what is false. They will receive the blessing of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. He said, come out from among them and be ye holy. For I am holy, says the Lord. He said, be ye perfect. For your heavenly Father is perfect. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, he said, take off the old and put on the new. Yes, he said it. He said, those who live by the flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God but the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness goodness, gentleness faithfulness and self control against such things there are no law oh for those who are led by the Spirit keep in step with the Spirit oh they have crucified the flesh along with its desires hallelujah After Romans 7, the battle of Paul with his flesh, he said, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be unto God, Jesus Christ my Lord. There is therefore now in verse chapter 8, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Paul said, the world, the world has nothing in me. Oh, he said, I fought the good race, fought the good fight, finished my race. Oh, let it be said of us, the world is not in us. Oh, we have nothing of the world in our hearts. Refiner's fire, you're our heart's one desire to be holy set apart for you my master I choose to be holy Jesus John said 1 John 3 9, those who are born of God cannot continue in sin because God's seed his word remains in them They cannot go on sinning. Oh, because God has given them new life. They have been born of God. Oh, we are born of God. It's not what you feel. It's not what someone says. It's not even what you may think based on God's word based on what he said hallelujah there are no bastard children today in God's kingdom there's only sons and daughters there's only sons and daughters with the spirit of God who cry out Abba father you're my daddy you're my father Hallelujah! The Bible says, "When you are sin, when you are tempted with sin, don't think it comes from God. Don't be deceived. God cannot be tempted, nor does He tempt. But when you are deceived. You are tempted by your own lusts that bring forth sin, and when sin is full-grown, it brings forth death. But our God, our heavenly Father, dwells." and in unappro- unapproachable light and every good and perfect gift comes from him Shh. don't be deceived today friends it's not God's will to live in sin it's not God's will to be defeated the Bible says for this reason was the Son of God made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil Jesus came so that the devil's work would be destroyed. May his work be destroyed in every life that calls upon his name here. Hallelujah. Those who are just praying and meditating, if you can hear me, just listen. Yesterday, you can't even imagine what this message would have been if I would have preached it all. But those who are praying, keep praying. But listen to me, those who can hear me in meditation. I was tempted to add 16 points of faith to the message that you saw today on top of the 30 verses of everything. Because if you just study out faith, there's about 16 things that will blow your mind. 16. Just that will blow your mind. Faith comes by the word of God, so we know that. That's one of the things. Another thing is that you're supposed to stand in your faith. A lot of you don't understand that you're fighting for your faith. The Bible says that you can lose your faith. The Bible says that people can grow in their faith. The Bible also says that you can speak in tongues, hallelujah, shandaroroboko, and build your faith. The Bible says on Judgment Day, you'll be rewarded or you will feel ashamed according to your faith or lack of faith. The Bible says that when we get together, we get together to strengthen each other's faith. The Bible says that when we have faith and we pray, it's the prayer of faith and it can heal and change lives. The Bible also says that faith is a substance, it's an evidence. So faith, when it's in your heart, satisfies your soul while you're waiting for the very thing God promised you. It is a literal substance to your soul. Not an empty filler, but a fullness. The Bible says in Peter that you can add to your faith goodness and knowledge. And all of those wonderful things so that you're not ineffective in your faith. Second Peter says, add to your faith. Those are just about a dozen. I challenge you to study out faith this month, those who are hanging in the after party. Study those devotions. Learn the Word of God. Let it burn in your soul until you're free. Worship man, would you sing it again? Just give me Jesus. Until you're free. Today's your day according to your faith. And if you want more, get as much as you want. Get as much as you want. Your faith determines your victory. Hallelujah.